hang out with you fucks you understand that do you know that <laughs> all right so welcome to the fourth episode of uh full metal rpg i'm your host brendan and i'm your host ben and today we're sitting here talking to uh one of our longtime gaming buddies and life buddies uh adam hi everybody uh, adam knows all kinds of shit about all kinds of shit and he's done a, done a bazillion games with a bazillion different systems and played with a bazillion different people so we're going to be talking with him today to kind of get his take on a bunch of different stuff. So, uh, Adam, would you mind, like, kind of, you know, just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So, um, I'm Adam. I'm in my late 30s. Uh, I got two kids. Haven't gamed in a while because of that. Um, four-year-olds take up a disproportionate amount of your time. Uh, <laughs> this is what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> that much more than six-year-olds or seven-year-olds? Um, yeah, really, like... Um, they're kind of like little narcissists and and they and it's not really their fault like they just kind of don't have a conceptualization of like boundaries and other people um so they want what they want when they want it and so you're just trying to invest as much time as you can into shaping them into being you know like a a, a person that sounds a lot like people i know i mean to be yeah there's honest. a lot of people who uh, are older me, who, maybe yeah who, who never quite <laughs> made it out of that either uh so i spent a lot of time doing that um but i have a pretty impressive collection of rpgs still and uh and board games and card games and and today you actually bequeathed me with a piece of that legacy i did i, I have oh, to say really? I, oh was this? man i i have to say i'm a deep dead to adam here he uh when we were to this weekend this last weekend we we ran in a 5k together and he was talking to me about like some some games that he had sitting on his shelf collecting dust. And I was like, "Oh man!" He said, "He said, oh, I've got I've got all that Geist stuff. I've got all that Geist stuff." And I was like, "Oh man, you have that? Oh, dude!" Because of course, that's those are like chase rares for me. Those are like right. those are like Grail pieces. I mean, uh, White pieces Wolf, that you once owned and once owned, dude. And then like let them go. Oh, I'm never gonna do this again. Whatever. I'm too cool for this shit. And. Uh, so he said the he said like being the magnanimous guy he is he's like oh you can you can just have you can just have mine I'm never gonna I, I'm, that's not one that I'm likely to use like uh, with my kids I think I'll probably run D and D at some point like when they're a little older um yeah that was not one I was ever gonna use and then there were a bunch that I just plain got rid of that I didn't think anybody in the group e well, everybody either already has them or didn't want them so that was like Mage the Ascension and Werewolf the second edition Werewolf Werewolf the Apocalypse and then oh Promethean and Ah, uh, Promethean. They're doing a second edition of that, and the Onyx Path is doing a second edition. And I'm, Why? Well, I mean, that's an interesting <laughs> that question. Exactly what I was yeah, thinking. yeah, right. I mean, it's it's. It wasn't really a good game. I think that there's like a cult following of that game, like a very like small but diehard yeah. sect of people. I who, saw they're doing Mummy again, which like are, the new the new Mummy, the newest Mummy. Yeah. What's it called? What's the splat on that? Mummy, I don't know. The, uh, it, mummy, the can we make it work this time? And the, everything I've heard, which I haven't, I haven't bought it. It's like it's 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 in my wish list on Drive Through RPG, but everything I have heard says no, we cannot. Okay. Because the way that that game actually works is you have one character who plays the mummy, and you're and you're like Emotep, you can do whatever you want, and then um, the rest of the party are your like are his followers. You're like the guys who summoned him, or you're like the guys that like 
see to him and his bodyguards and all this other stuff. You like this cult that surrounds him. So, so in some ways, it's a throwback to sort of the original Mummy, where it was like these giant, all-powerful beings, rather yeah. than like yeah. But in the original Mummy, there was like a, a group of them, you know. Like, yeah. Well, there's some kind of they they have some kind of organization, and they're up to something, and they 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 have these these cycles that they go through called Sothic turns that are like where. I, I don't know. And they play these things out over and over again. And it sounds interesting to me, but every single person I've talked to who knows anything about the game more than what I'm saying has said, oh, it's, a, it's an amazing game, but it is literally unplayable. And when I hear people saying that, people who are like, Wraith is a great game, but right. Mummy is unplayable. And I'm just like, you're, you're fucking shitting me. What does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, so... It sounds like it has the same problem that Risen does then, where it's like it's this unique specialty concept and maybe one guy can play it, but everybody else kind of has to play support for that guy. But who I don't want to play in that kind of game. Like, I don't want to be support. Well, I mean, I think that there's interesting opportunities to be had in that. You know, to be totally honest, I think that it might be more fun to play the cult guys than to play the vampire. I mean, I mean, excuse uh, me, I don't know, maybe, but like, it just it seems to me like if you were going to play. A game like that you could play it as a vampire and his ghouls like there's other ways yeah. to play that game they don't need an entire book just dedicated to that idea i mean i guess the question is is like what weird mechanics are they going to introduce into it which i haven't purchased it i don't i, I don't to be honest i don't even know who the developer is i'd be interested in seeing who the developer is the, yeah these the developers often have their own kind of like little philosophies and stuff their own little game philosophies and those will have a big impact on how a game shapes up so, so is this being put out by onyx path Huh? Onyx yes, Path is putting Onyx this path. out? Yeah, this yep. is an Onyx Path. The, on, the maybe soon to be defunct Onyx Path. Well, we may never even see the no, release of this game. No, okay. Let's first of all, let's just back up and say that. So, you know, this week, uh, Paradox, which is apparently a video game company. Yeah, software company. The software, thank yeah. you. Um, purchased uh, White Wolf, the White Wolf IP from CCP. And, of course, this has, like, a lot of reverberations the Monday meeting notes for Onyx Path that they put out on a weekly basis. I think that they made it pretty clear that there's going to be an Onyx Path game company. Right, because they <laughs> have Aberrant and Trinity and yeah. the other stuff. They just... Scion. The, yeah. the, the Pug game that's coming out. The Pug role-playing game. The the, Caval <laughs> the Cavaliers of Mars role-playing game, which I'm very interested in, by the, the way. The Cavalier of Mars one sounds fine. The, the Cavaliers of Mars one like... sounds fine. The Pug one sounds... Awful in a way that defies description. Well, right? it's supposed to be for families. <laughs> it's supposed to be like a family-oriented game. I don't know if it's a, it's. I don't think it's like World of Darkness type game. Yeah, obviously, I don't know. Like, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'm not. I'm probably not going to buy it. Like, if if I want to, if I want to get like a family-oriented like anthropomorphic creature game, I just buy Mouse Guard. Right, which I, I know. Say. Is, Mouse Guard is yeah. the one that, I, or just play D and D. Which we've actually played before and was fine. Yeah, Mouse Guard's fucking ridiculously good. Yeah. yeah. I haven't tried that one. Oh, it's sweet. It's really good. I, I've read the books, like the, the comics, so I'm familiar with the concept. Just never played the game. It looked interesting. Yeah, no, the system, it has a cool system, as I recall. It was years ago that we played. Years yeah. ago. Yeah. But, you know, so I think the, you know, these other Onyx Path IPs will exist, but... The White Wolf IPs are apparently reverting to control of White Wolf, and we'll see what that ends up meaning. Apparently, right. well, they still maintain licensing because they did specifically refer to it as White Wolf Publishing, and right. not just White Wolf or not the World of Darkness. Because for a long time, CCP made it kind of like an athlete to even really talk about White Wolf as an entity. It was always just more World of Darkness, and then yeah, Old World of Darkness, New World of Darkness. There was not really the 
concept of White Wolf as a publishing entity. Correct me if I'm wrong, but so much of that was due to the fact that they were trying to put out that uh, MMO, correct? Well, right. Yes. I mean, this stemmed, this entire thing comes from the whole MMO <clears throat> like idea, the whole MMO kind of craze. You know? Which I both wanted and hated at the same time. I don't know. Well, I mean, Very you're going to get it now, it, right? Ah. It sounded like it couldn't possibly work. Um. I just I didn't understand how they were going to make that work as a concept. I didn't get the whole idea of you know, there's not really controls in place against griefing. There's not really like there's not a penalty for character death online. And so there's not really a reason yeah. not to behave like a you know, like a dickhole the entire time that you're playing. So there's you know, which is the case in every MMO. When they were right, talking about just like the complete sandbox where it was like where it was like Oh no! The prince of the city this is the impression. Right, is a player. Is a player, and I right. was like, "How are they going to do that? That makes no sense to me." You know, and then like if you got diabolized or something, then you just like revert back to your haven or some shit. And I was like, "This doesn't make any fucking right. sense." Right. It it didn't sound like it translated well. Um, that said, we'll never know because we're never going to see it. But my guess is the reason it took them so damn long to get anything out. And they really didn't get anything out. Um, the reason it took them so damn long to get just even uh, like a promo video out or anything is they just didn't know what to do with it. They just, yeah. They, yeah. they bought it thinking, oh, this will be cool. And then the logistics of actually doing it or the reality of actually doing it settled in. Did you um, read that article that came out a few months back where a guy kind of did like an article about the – like it was a couple months after the um, – after CCP had said, you know what? This project's fucking dead. We're walking away from it. We don't even give a shit anymore. And then a guy wrote an article for The Guardian, I think, and it was called something like The Death of an MMO. And he went through and he, like, talked to people. He got, like, sources cited. Did you guys ever read that? Yeah, no, I recall I reading read parts of it. I I don't remember it particularly well, but I, I think I remember seeing it. That it, The content of that article really jives with what you were saying, which is that it was people who did not understand what they had purchased. Like... They like sat down. They read a book, and they were like, "Oh, we gotta put this diablery mechanic in there," and so they made a diablery mechanic. And when they would show it to people, apparently, like fans of Vampire were like, "This is amazing!" and they they loved it, but nobody else understood it. Like nobody else, like a, just just a computer gamer who sat down and wanted to play it mm-hmm. was like, "I don't understand what this is. I also understand why it's valuable, why it's fun, why I even want to do it." Well, you I th- know, I think the. The fact that that Bloodlines game they put out a long time ago was that them. It wasn't them, but it, but a different oh, company put yeah. out like never really got a lot of traction and only really ever had a cult following, and couldn't get all the mechanics into it. Should have given them some kind of heads up into and what they was, were getting into. That was in a partnership, I think, directly with White Wolf at the time. Yeah, they had a lot of a lot of editorial control over it, and I like that game. It's a fun game, but it's not Vampire the Masquerade in any way shape or form people who um, love that it's game love thing. that game i mean it's it's, it's a fun game like i enjoyed playing it but i also realized what it was and what it wasn't when i was playing it you know and i'm like okay so there's elements of world of darkness in here but then they kind of had to glom on like the the camaria and they had a kind of had to glom on the idea of blood hunts and all this other stuff so to keep you acting correctly within the confines of the game so well, i mean I it was just another method of control it wasn't really like an actual look into how all of that stuff functioned does all that stuff function i mean even in the game does that stuff function like 
I mean, let's talk about city building. Let's talk about our experiences playing okay. vampire. I mean, do, the, do those things actually function as mechanics? Because I can tell you, man, I've sat down and read, like, different players' guides, storytellers' guides, the, how you run the Sabbath, how you run all this shit. And I never, I, I have never run a fucking, have I ever run a blood hunt? Has any character ever been blood hunted? Yes. Who got blood hunted? Okay. Um. Somebody, I guess, got blood hunted. I don't think it was a PC that got blood hunted. We were around for a blood hunt. There was an NPC. It was a was this female a, character. Is it a Requiem game or a Masquerade game? Masquerade game. Masquerade game. I remember her final death was like in a taxi or something. Weird. I have yeah, no it was very recollection weird. of this. It was basically just a method to keep people in line so they didn't do dumb shit. Because that... that was always around the corner of, hey, like, don't go off and reveal that you're a vampire to the guy on the television, you know, because then they'll come and they'll kill you. So I, I always had the idea of Blood Hunts or the idea of the Justicars and all of that as a as a um, threat to keep people in line. That said, like I recall Justicars and uh, who are the guys who work for them? What are they called? Archons. Archons. I recall them showing up in games with with regularity. Um, like I whose know games? The- Not my games. Please say no. I think Petronon showed up in one oh, years, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's a Justicar. Yeah, but isn't he also one of the founders? Wasn't he the Gazaratu founder? One uh, of the Hardest guys? Maybe. Excuse me, but in some of those like games where there were like uh the, like that's called the founding games, right? Like Transylvania Chronicles, Giovanni Chronicles, don't they have characters in there that are like later on archons or yeah. uh, potentially, but not acting in that role yet. So right. but I remember Petrodon was actually acting as Justicar when he was in the game. Like mm. he had showed up as a Justicar Interesting. and he had Archons with him and eh, I don't remember that. But I mean to be totally honest, there's like many sins of, of vampire past that I have chosen to sort of like expunge my memory. <laughs> to be totally honest, like I don't remember things very well just in general. I mean I can forget something while I walk across a room so uh I mean, well the thing is it's always just a temptation to when the game is kind of going bad just be like fuck it i'm bringing in the archons and the justicars and they're gonna clean house because oh, dude because i'm so frustrated with what is happening right now you know there's there's always that temptation it's the same temptation than every D game i play where it it starts to get very satirical you know what i mean like very fastly you start getting into these monty python type of scenarios have or seen, references have you and, seen that meme that's going around yeah how most D game groups start and it's lord of the rings, rings and how they end and it's monty python yeah now, i've seen it and yeah. it's fairly accurate to a degree right it is. like and the thing is you're it's so hard to guard against that because your players will reward you for it whenever you say something funny they'll be like oh you know, and they'll, you'll get that instantaneous feedback. That's a lot harder with that slow burn of drama and dude. I know. And, <laughs> you I know. feel you. I try not to go for it. I try not to hit that. But I even this last weekend out of the abyss, I hit that when um, Jeff's character fell out of the elevator thing and uh, hit, oh, the, yeah. hit the water, and I was like, oh, his arms are cartwheeling like this, and it was like, ha, ha, ha. and I was like, oh, they're having fun, yep. yay! Yeah. But you know, usually I don't like to do that because I like to do horror gaming. I like to do. Slow burn, cathonic shit, you know? Right, but even, yeah, it's just, it's so tempting because you get an instantaneous feedback, an instantaneous reward for it. Whereas with the slow burn stuff, a lot of times the feedback that you get on it is is kind of like intensely negative from the outset. Um, really? No, but I think for the guys you played with, but. Yeah, I mean, because I just remember playing Wraith and just. Oh, and, come and on. then just being like, just depressed at the end of every session and me going, well, yeah, like that's what this game is about and just. Well, it, it our was, Wraith experience was a little out there. I yeah, mean, I mean, oh, Jesus. We, we had this conversation a while ago where 
where um, <clears throat> for those uh, who don't know, I mean, we, we did play in a Wraith game. Adam and I both did. Mm-hmm. Um, ran by Zajac, correct? Yeah. Yep. And uh, um, anyway, we I think you ended up as my shadow in that game. I ended oh, up as right. your shadow. And, and then <laughs> I think... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I had a really tortured character. As you're supposed to play in Wraith, right? The problem is, is I think that you need to play not as tortured a character as I decided. And, and, to play. and the conceit of Wraith is that you have uh, your character, right? Who's a who is a thinking person, right? right? And he and is then, trying to resolve yeah. his earthly life so he can ascend. Sure. But then you've got your dark side, which is your shadow. Right. And another player character plays that. Like this kind of like this id, this sort of dark id yes. that is yeah. in, in like a very antagonistic relationship. Character. Right. And there's a there's a system that allows the shadow to get advantage on the 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 wraith, the wraith as it were. Well, right? you gain angst. And so, and the way that you primarily do that is by going, hey, let me help you out. Here's some shadow dice. And then every one that rolls up on a shadow, I think it was every one that rolls on a shadow dice you gain angst for. And so, yeah, I just remember I would hand you just pools of dice because there were rules on how much you could really yeah. do at any given time. But I would just do it on every roll just because it's like, yeah, just we'll see how much angst we can accumulate. <laughs> oh, nice. Like, oh, I need some Wrigley's gum. Like, right. Oh, you, would you like some dice to help yep. find that? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that game committed one of the... Yeah, I don't know. There, There's one of those things I feel is kind of a cardinal sin when you're running a game, which is mm-hmm. if a player purchases something on their sheet or buys something during character creation as, like, a background or an item they have, don't take it away from them. Um because it's removing dots off their sheet, essentially. It's like weakening their character okay, without okay. their consent. And Elaborate. I remember I had that that relic that I bought, like that five-point relic. And <laughs> Jack, like second session, decided, yeah, you can't have that anymore. It's way overpowered. And it got taken away from me, but but nothing got put in its place. So essentially, I was at a net negative from everyone else in the game, just baseline, because I got this thing taken away. Do you feel like power balance is that important in a World of Darkness I, game? I feel, um, just from a personal standpoint, that it's, uh, you know, if if you're going to do something like that and it's something purchased at character creation or something, it, you should either offer a replacement or, or something like that. Otherwise, you're, it's just kind of like if I were to go at character creation and you were to roll, say, an 18 strength, and I go, sixteen. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It just sits wrong with me. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. I, I try to not violate what I imagine to be the central core sort of concept of what the character is. Right? Like, if the character's concept is like, 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 oh, I'm in the Shadowlands and I found this relic and I have to like, um, get it to some important place in Stygia right. so that like a guild member can look at it and it will solve a big mystery. And then like in second session, I ripped that. I basically just killed your character concept. Your I, character concept is dead. I guess my, my thing with it was if I had, I known that it was going to be a problem or be taken away, I would have spent it on something else. Um, yeah. And, and so mean, that's the issue is like, well, I can, I have those points to spend on something else. No. Okay, yeah. That's, well, that's, that's draconian. Right. That's, like that's, that's draconian. It, yeah. Just Do you not hear a lot that? Do you hear that? 
I definitely hear that. Draconian. <laughs> I understand why he did it, because that thing was broken as what hell. What the fuck it was, was a, it? Was it doing? It was a soul steel sword. It just did like ag How damage. How the fuck did you have that as a as a starting character? I, I don't Nobody know. Nobody has that. You as totally starting. let me have it, and because uh, I couldn't, I was just one of those things. I was like, yeah, I'll just have a soul steel sword. I had a backstory for it and everything. I don't remember what it was. I, I had a reason for all of this stuff. I only remember the core concept of the characters. Like, uh, you were the young high school student who. Uh, was snubbed in love and life. Right. And uh, he was I like was like a dweeb. And yeah. so, yeah, like kind of autobiographical. And then <laughs> like he, got, like, he got episode, killed. He's a dweeb. Yeah, he got killed. I was the uh, closet homosexual who was uh, in a weird love triangle. And, With the uh, guy in the devil mask. Yeah, the guy in the devil him. mask who ended up uh, seizing my fortune. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to say, it sounds like a pretty good game. I never played this game. I've heard about it for years. It was, except it was totally on rails, and that was the issue with it. Is that's another like storyteller sin that that kind of gets me is that railsy experience where you get so attached to the story that you want to tell that you're just gonna kind of force everyone to go along with it, yeah. no matter what. Yeah, I, I imagine that's pretty difficult though to sort of move beyond. After all, it's the core idea of the game that starts you writing in the first place. This this is definitely a this is this is a storyteller thing. You go ahead, I'm gonna go ahead. Yeah, so I'm here every week. Go ahead. You, there definitely is that, but at the same point, like you got to be willing. You at the same time, you have to be willing to, you know, uh, kill your sacred cows, right? So if you go into a story and it's very obvious that nobody wants to go in the direction you want to go, like, oh, I'm doing, mm-hmm. you know, this murder mystery or whatever, and they yeah. all kind of show up and they're like, oh, that guy's dead. Hey, let's all go to the bar. You know, you can't, yeah. you can't run a story like that. You can't force the characters to do stuff that they don't want to do. You can't force the players to do stuff that they don't want to do. And so you end up running stories where a lot of times they get really off of what you had in mind when you set out to run it. Um, but just, that's the glorious just depending part on the group. in a certain sense. I mean, here's the thing. Like, as a storyteller, my my the way I address this is by making very clear to the players on the outset what it is I'm doing and what it is is expected of them. And then I always have a surplus of players. So if people don't want to get on board the, the train, that's cool. You know, you can sit this one out. We'll get somebody else in. I don't know how long this thing's going to be running. But you have to be down to do the Brendan thing. But you're, but you're you basically know? talking about, like, like building characters and, and that would exist in the sort of plot line that, that you want. fit in, this, in the game that I want to run. Now, at a certain point, you have to be willing to just let go of your idea. You have to be willing to say, it was a good idea and it was fun. But they are doing something else, right? Because role playing is a collaborative medium. You know what I'm saying, right? And, and that's kind of where I get to it. It's collaborative storytelling. If I just wanted to story tell a story, I can sit down at a typewriter and write it out myself. And, you mm-hmm. know, because that was, it's one of those things I remember. And God and help me for bringing her up. Um, uh, Who? Laurel K. Hamilton, the lady uh, writes Anita Blake, and man. she said I started writing Anita Blake because I was creating these D and D games. And nobody wanted to play the stories I was creating, so I said, "Forget you. I'll just take them away and make them, you know, into these books, and I'll do I'll do it that way." Oh, I never heard that. Um, yeah, yeah, me so, neither. So you're making me feel bad about myself, Adam. Like I'd be much more accomplished if I was like less easy to get along I with. I really don't know that I would consider Laurel K. Hamilton accomplished. Dude, I, like, New York I, Times best-selling author. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of her work. I, yeah. I understand there are people who are, and, right. and I'm friends with many of them, and I understand that. Um, <laughs> I, it's it's like 
puerile. It's just uh-huh. oh, and then I got into the three way with the wear jaguars. <laughs> I knew you were gonna bring up the wear jaguars. <laughs> I was yeah, like, why am I reading this? Oh, because I'm in a book club, and every other month, the person, the next person, the book club picks either one of those, uh, the fairy books, Gentry, Kiss of Shadows, Gentry. Yeah, and then or the uh, or Anita one of the Blake. Anita Blake books, and so we ended up just pouring through a ton of those, and I read them against my will. Um, wow, but yeah, that's, <laughs> so you know, if I wanted to just tell stories, I'd go out and I'd tell stories. I'd write my own thing. Uh, I like collaborative storytelling. So if there's a guy who's like, well, my character really wants to go off and find his mentor who disappeared, who am I to go? No, you got to go to this dungeon and retrieve this relic for this wizard. Yeah, it's not. You know, it's just all right. Well, let's go do that. Let's go explore that. As long as the rest of the party's willing to go along with it, and it's kind of that's the cool thing about being a GM or a storyteller or a DM or whatever is that is that then once once the players are invested in your story enough, right, or your world even, you your know, world that they if they start having motivations within it, then every week it's like this gift that you get to give to somebody. Right. Oh, like here's an experience that you wanted to have. Let me create it for you, and then let me put my own twists into it. And that's, and that's where the fun comes from. That's right. why I love doing it. So, yeah, it's the question of, you know, if you build your world right, if you put enough stuff into it, it becomes a sandbox. And players kind of go off and do their own thing within the sandbox. Have you and found this to be the case in some of your longer-running games? Yeah, especially with longer-running games. Like, the longer a game runs on, the more of that just everything builds up. All of the history builds up. All of the characters build up either friendships or animosities with each other. And before you know it, you know, you've got people either actively trying to kill each other or, you know, you've got <laughs> these weird partisan dividing lines where you're just going, why are you guys like this? Why are you doing that? I don't. It, it's an interesting kind of microcosm, isn't it? It's an interesting kind of like, uh, like, like strange control group for like. It is. But philosophy. what I found is when you're playing, particularly games with like long lived characters and vampire in particular, when you've got these elders, the elders in that game never behave like the elders in the books. Yes. This is a problem. Um, the elders in the books are always like, Oh, you know, um, uh, they went and they had, I up, you know, a, a, they went to the salon together and they had a nice conversation. And the, whereas the player characters are all either like sitting inside of some ancient decrepit castle, like brooding how they're going to kill that, <laughs> you know, that bruja who wronged yes. them so many years ago, or they're like a, a five man death squad sweeping <laughs> through cities and just assassinating councils of primogen and princes and just. There's no, there seems to be no happy in between. I have never met a player character's elder who is, you know, a hardest at, who is this well balanced, like, I'm going to manipulate others, but subtly, it's just they're either, you know, you're going to do what I want or I'm going to rip your head off and shit down the hole, or they're, you know, they're these insane, you know, low <laughs> humanity, just they're- psychopaths who are just. That guy wronged me a thousand years ago, and I'm going to have my vengeance. There's, there's no Louis. There's no Lestats. Yeah. There's no, there's no, certainly none of the, none of the signature there's characters. There's no Madame Giel. There's they, like, there's no just, Sasha Vikos. Yeah, know, the, yeah. It's, is, it's a real failure. I thank think. Christ. There's no Lucita or whatever the one from oh, the La Sombra God, was. Yeah. The, the worst mm. signature character of all yeah, time. Well, we won't get into the, we won't get into that sig- the signature character thing. Um, but I mean, the mechanics just did not back up the world that they said existed. 
you know and then they released this whole spate of books trying to get you to like run that crap like gilded cage and council primogen that were just like it was like reading instruction manuals for like how a vcr is assembled or something you know i mean like here's the, how you run a the salon. end of that line was not uh oh. dignified or well handled um no i don't think so the gehenna book in particularly in particular was awful i i'm trying mm. Trying to remember any of those end of the because I had all of them at one point. I'm trying to remember know, any of those end of the world of darkness books that I that oh, I oh you liked. mean the um, apocalypse books the right the, the, mm-hmm. the Gehenna the final uh, time Ascension. of judgment um, yeah yeah whatever the other ones apocalypse, were apocalypse ascension the ones that all had basically something to do with the end, end of, of empire time. which was the wraith one that came out first well that it, was like years it kicked earlier. off everything else right yeah yeah was it was it the mage one that had the death of Ravnos in it the no, that was in Knights no, of Prophecy. The, yeah, that was that was Knights of Prophecy, yeah, and that was that. ridiculous. But honestly, the Ravenos are probably the worst clan. Uh, like just, I, I am really racist to it is disgusting kind of It is my hope that in Vampire Four, should it still happen, it is my hope that a Vampire Four set in post Gehenna World of Darkness will not have Ravnos as a clan. I, if there's any White Wolf devs listening, this is my little two cents. No Ravnos is a clan, but it's a bloodline only. And I don't. And I also think that if you're going to have a game set post Gehenna, it is not unreasonable to say that the a, the diablerie of an antediluvian happened, and we have new clans. Okay, and I'm open to it. And I'm. It's, it's okay. I'm not particularly interested. <laughs> I'm not particularly interested in living in a post any of the Gehenna scenarios presented in the Gehenna book. You, you um, think those are deal breakers then? They were all awful. Well, I, and particularly the one that was the default one, which was you go into the church with Ferox, that like albino gargoyle, gargoyle guy. character, and then only like 10 guys make it out or whatever at the end of it. I don't see how you make a post Gehenna world work. Gehenna well, was this with is going to uh, have to be something nukes? else. I, I, re- I really yes, think. Yes. What? Just... No, oh, that's geez. the other one. The yeah. Salubri nukes is where Salubri. Salat comes Salat, back. Yeah, yeah Salat comes back, and then the Zimache Antediluvian is this weird, like creeping. It takes mm-hmm. over every member of the Zimache clan, and they're all the Zimache Antediluvian because it's infected their blood, With which is kid. right, which is the Talmahe Ra thing from that terrible, dirty Secrets of the Black Hand book that was released. I think that book has some merits, but many aeons ago, it's got it's got some interesting splats in it. Every, the soul eaters and all of the rest of that stuff is, yeah, the soul eaters is garbage, but like garbage, all that stuff about like Enoch and like the, um, there's like being like antediluvians, like resting in Enoch and names. Oh, and the Shadowlands. Yeah, yeah, that I actually came that... up in the Ends of Empire book for Wraith. Yeah, right, because they nuke Enoch. They, right, because they nuke more it. nukes. And a lot a of nukes of were flying in those final there. books. Yeah. There was some. There was definitely some nukage. Probably some post post Cold War like holdover there. Well, no, because they had built up these impossible monsters, and the only thing that was potentially a threat to them was a nuke. Like, let's be honest. What is really going to challenge an antediluvian? I mean, they were talking about like the end of like the world, and they they wanted the world to go out with a with a bang or whatever. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I don't think. I think that we can comfortably say that that a vampire four that takes place in post Gehenna world of darkness will retcon Gehenna and one would hope. I mean, there's I mean, there's no there's no game if they have any of that right. Well, there's not going to be any elders, so it's not because the elders all started. Didn't it start rolling up like the diableries or whatever to where you started going crazier the higher or the lower your generation was and i think it depends on what mechanic you were using and like what what optional books i mean this is one of the problems with the 
V20 Masquerade book is that there was like so much stuff that was going on in terms of the meta plot and that it had just far reaching consequences on how that game functioned. And in the V20 book, they try and present it kind of like a toolbox, like Requiem kind of was, where they're like, oh, well, if you want to use this, you can use this. If you want to use this, you can use this. But you don't have to use any of these things. And it's kind of like, well, wait a minute. Like, are the Gangrel going to be in the Camarilla? Or is the Ravnos Antiluvian still going to be alive? I mean, right. they just start making these decisions, you know? What 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 are the Tremere? Like, where do they live? Are there Tremere to tribute? I mean, you have to, like, really... I mean, when you start going down that list of little plot hooks... There's a lot of them, more than you might remember. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. I'm just thinking about all those, all of those. But yeah, remember when all the Tremere anti-tribu disappear in Mexico City, they like, like vanish, or right? Something? Oh because, yeah, that was in one of the books. I forgot about that. Uh, what's his of... name? Etrius brought Tremere, and then they killed Goratrix, and or no, Tremere took over Goratrix's body, and then they consumed all of the the Tremere attribute to give him more power essentially but that was how Salot had taken over yeah. Tremere's body and it was a mess it was a mess and none of it made well, any sense it just it it just it didn't need to be run like that i always kind of liked the world spanning conspiracy nature of masquerade but sure it was fun it just didn't feel like they had an end game or they or they put together a coherent end game it was it was a no, I, that I, was one of the things i missed in requiem you know I, requiem was very much focused on a city and it was hard yeah. because when you got into the American cities, speaking as an American, you're just like, well, none of these guys are going to be that old. The history of our country doesn't stretch back that far. True. Otherwise, I'm just going to have a bunch of like Native American vampires running everything. That becomes a thing. You, you're kind of like, well, wait, how do I fa- factor Native Americans into this? Well, that was kind of where I felt the Mexico City by Night book worked better for me because it. See, we tried to make some of that stuff. The Mexico City game that we played was Requiem. Yes, but right. You're talking about you're talking about the wait. Oh, but no, you're talking about using that book in Requiem. Are you talking about no Shadows Over Mexico? Shadows Over Mexico. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was a great game. That right. Was, yeah, Shadows Over book. Mexico, where it said there's hot. all of these like old vampires who are Mayans and Aztecs and stuff, Fuck. and they're just hanging around. And I'm I, like, okay, that makes way more sense to me. I forgot all about we had, that fucking book. Than what we had in the other ones, which is what was like, oh, yeah, the Camarilla rolled in with, like, the white settlers and displaced everybody. And I'm going, well, yeah. okay, well, like, really? Because you make that... it sound like that's really hard to do. There was all that shit about there being these, like, Methuselahs and shit, like, that lived underneath the, like, uh, the Aztec temples. Right, because of like, the water the, temples where they'd bury yeah, the treasure. The cisterns and, and mm-hmm. the blood rolling down and all this other stuff. And then, like, there was, like, demons under there. But then that got into, and this was, and this was like, the problem with, masquerade because masquerade was so kind of like eurocentric mm-hmm. you know that you're like kind of like well how did there get to be antediluvians over it was there? it was eurocentric like, because there? their attempts to do other cultures were insulting to the point of being like caricatures yes um but, the initial run of the asamites they were caricatures the ravenos remained caricatures until their very end the giovanni even who are a european clan but you know a not uh ang- really anglo-saxon one are caricatures um, well, let's let's just in all credit to mm-hmm. the developers, I think that it was it was the, a product of its time. It was a product of the time. I mean, people really thought that like like remember Street Fighter Two where there's like the guy who's got like a bone through his nose. Yeah, and so you, can, you can tell you can yeah. tell he's from India, man, because yeah. he's got a bone through his nose. And it was like, look, we're being so cosmopolitan. Yeah. We got a guy from India in this game. Yep. Is there a guy from India in Double Dragon? No. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just like. 
it, it, it was like five. We're being racist to show how not racist we are, you know. I mean, they were trying really hard. But I think I think that still struck a chord with all of us back in back in the day. I mean, on some level, I can't think of anyone who like looked at the Ravnos and were like, "Yeah, I really want to play one." This Mikey. isn't racist or anything. Well, okay, maybe maybe one guy. There was right. one guy. There was but, one guy. I mean, keep in mind that none of us really know anybody from that culture. We have no exposure to them. We still don't. We only ask like 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 Rom life. I think is just as kind of elusive a sort of cultural experience. Put your finger on. I mean, you'd have to do some real research to write like a a Rom book now. Yeah, but why did there need to be a specific like Rom there, there family of vampires? There, really, there, really there didn't, didn't need was, to be that. That was, that was the problem I had with it. Was it? It's the same thing with. It's the same thing where they applied that template to any particular ethnicity. Um. I thought the Dark Ages book on Islam, uh, Veil of Night, Veil of Night was very well done. Um, I thought the yeah, I Ebony Kingdom's book was not very well done. Nah, oh, and it didn't read it. Um, so it was a really, it was a mixed bag for me. It was a really mixed bag. They could obviously present a topic in a sensitive way or a comprehensive way if they wanted to. Um, Veil of Night was what I thought, uh, like all the Asimite stuff should have been. There should have just not been a clan called the Asimites. It should have just been Veil of Night, and, and it should have been the other clans. And this is their Islamic counterpart. But this is gets back to what you and I were talking about before we started rolling tape, which is in Requiem, the culture is transmitted via covenant, and in Masquerade, culture is transmitted via clan. Correct. And I think, like for instance, when they did the translation guide. For uh, for uh, requiem to masquerade, so you could like take ideas and swap them back and forth mechanically. One of the things that they did was uh, clan Tremere, and they were like, "Oh well, how do you play a Tremere in your um, requiem game?" And they were like, "Well, there's a couple ways you can do this. One way is okay, it's a clan, and here's some powers if you want that to be a clan. And the other way they said was, oh, make Tremere covenant instead.'" Right. And I was just like, I was just like, mind blown. That well, works so much fucking better it than does. Like, as a clan. The same with the Asimites. But the problem that I had was they weren't willing to stick with their guns with that because you had plenty of, of bloodlines who essentially were covenants, like the Marcellarius and a couple of the other ones. And uh, the you one really with felt the, like they were like their own covenant? I felt like they were essentially a subset of the Invictus with their own kind of agenda they were pushing and I they were completely separate from them. Um yeah, so you ended up with these really specialty bloodlines who just who didn't work within covenants. There was that one that was the uh, the hive mind one. Oh, okay. Well, oh, come yeah. on now, the I Melissa mean, Dre or whatever. Dude, like that they, one pissed me off just for being there. Right. They they could only possibly work as the clan as a covenant concept. Um, yeah, they really muddied the water on that. I don't feel like they understood it. I felt you know in Vampire you also had you had your clans, but you also did have some. Uh, influenced by whether you were an independent or a member of the Sabbath or a member of the Camarilla, that yeah. kind of influenced the way that you thought and you behaved. Um, yeah, it, it, it was just one of those things in Requiem where it was obviously better if you were going to play an Invictus to play a Ventru. Um, I just, I mean... But there were certain clans who worked much better within their covenants than others. Did you read the others. clan books? Did you I read? did. I read them. I, I thought that they were so great. and They, they were like, really well done. Um, you know, they just showed like, oh, like, oh. The covenant you, books were not. And that, the, was, the that was where I had an issue. The covenant, the covenant concept, while a neat idea, never gelled for me. 
I just think those Covenant books were shitty written. They were I mean, shitty written. They, they, they have that. They have a new book coming out, Secrets of the Covenants, and it's supposed to be written in the style of the clan books, only it's only collected in one hardcover. That might be better. But I'm really stoked to read it. I felt like the clan books really muddied that distinction a lot for me and, yeah, well, and made it yeah. harder for me to kind of separate those two concepts in my mind. No, I love it. I because really felt th- like they didn't have a good adversary in that game either. Because well, you had what? You had uh, you had the covenant, the the, the kind of like evil the covenant. Seven, seven, seven yeah, seven. And the Lyles Brood, which were also kind of like the Lyles Brood that were, yeah, just the the Bali. They were not. They were not, and they were just laughably comically evil. And seven was you know laugh laughably comically other. It was just oh it's this oh, we don't know anything about them. They're so yeah. mysterious and weird. And then their explanations for them all fell really flat. The they've kept seven around in this in the um in the second edition, which I, I hope think they've is retooled kind of a- them because as written they were like the what was it the sons of whatever and it's, the, you could, well there was an option that they were right. from the Camarilla the, the, right. the fall of the, the Camarilla fall of the Camarilla which era. I actually had that book and I thought that was one of that was one of the books I really liked Dude, from that line was you, the Camarilla and the fall of the Camarilla the, the Rome book and the Camarilla book when you're looking at the fucking um the line the vampire requiem first edition line the the first few years of it are kind of balls they're really but, choppy but where it changes is um that uh requiem for rome book and then uh follow the camarilla which are just gorgeous books and then after that they started putting out kick-ass fucking source books where they just really they really see something seemed to click and they were like oh right. here's we understand what all the problems with our game is let's fix them but that was when they moved to print on demand and i stopped buying all no, of their stuff no they still had a few good books i mean i think i really feel like if you buy um damnation city you have a core book, and you have the clan books. You have everything you need to run. You don't need any other stuff. You can oh oh you know what you know what's nice those night horrors books. The night horrors books. The, there's two of them for vampire. Then uh, because it's because it's kind of cool. It's like oh here's some NPC guys that can kind of like drive the story a little bit. Then you have the clan books, which really show you both like how covenant and um and clans work. And then you have the core book, which is the basic rules you need to function the game. Right. Go. You don't need. I mean, the uh, the blood is nice because it has some sure some cool stuff for like how discipline powers work and shit like that, you know. But that's really all you need. You can just for you fucking yeah. I just got I coteries. got a lot of bloodline fatigue with those guys. But honestly, I think books. I think a lot of I think I, how many how many uh, Requiem games I played at this point? I think maybe like five or something like that. Yeah, I've owned two. None none of none of the games I played in had any of the the covenants that like like seven or Blau's Brood. They just didn't exist. Well, right, because they're lame. Yeah, I know. You, you just want, ignore yeah, it and yeah. do your own thing. I mean, right. now they got these Strix guys, and these Strix guys are kind of interesting to me. And they first show up in the right, Camarilla because they kill off the whatever the first version of the Ventru were. Oh yeah, yeah, whatever they're called. Yeah, the Julianus. Yeah, yeah. the Julie. Yeah, the Julii. That's it, Julii. But um, sorry, I was mixing up my tenses from different languages. <laughs> but um, yeah, like. I I I feel like the jury's out on the Strix. I could definitely like see putting them in a game to have like like a boogeyman, you know. But I don't know if I would be super tempted to run a game where it's like that's the the core idea. The core idea is like, oh, we're in the city and the Strix are after us, and oh Jesus, we just really don't know what's going on. I think I think less is more with the Strix, you know. I don't I don't I, I certainly don't see them as being as interesting of a villain as say like the Sabbath were 
you know i think i think i think in a, in a certain sense remember remember with like the first masquerade game you ever played where like there were only seven clans allowed and your storyteller was like no no giovanni that's st- stupid and i don't even think that giovanni were even really a thing back then because all i had was the core book and yeah. the player's guide. They were in the player's guide. Were they in the player's guide? The okay. Player's guide. Player's guide had like four bloodlines or something. It right? had this. It had the. Um, You're right. They were. Yeah, it had. The, I just remember it was clans. It was you had to pick from the core book though. We yeah, didn't okay. have any of the yeah. player's guide stuff. Everybody None of was, that was available. Well, I mean, you had the player's guide, and storytellers would usually allow you to take merits and flaws, which was right. fucking broken enough. But, but for some reason that <laughs> for some reason Taint we of corruption we, we thought all, that, all, all day every day <laughs> we thought that we thought that. Unbondable. The the, the yeah. merits and flaws were not broken, but that but that somehow like playing a Ravnos was too broken and weird. So we allowed ridiculous, stupid flaw combinations. <laughs> merits and flaws are at least an interesting concept, though, right? Yeah. The thing was, everybody took them thinking my flaws will never come up in game, and my merits will only help me. And or, or they took flaws that they felt like were were helps. Were, right. Yeah, like yeah, like yeah. all my supreme yeah. anger flaws, which like, I'm just going to play an angry character anyway. So I, I made it yeah. my personal mission to make flaws actually flaws. And I remember people used to complain to me incessantly about that. They're like, why does my flaw keep coming up in game? And I'm like, because it's a flaw. Because, yeah, you took Why don't you ever bring in, up my merit? And as, I'm like, because you have a reason to bring that up as, to me. You as, have no reason to bring up your flaws to As me. I recall... In Transylvania Chronicles, mm-hmm. I took a two-point flaw hunted. that was hunted. Yes. And I was hunted <laughs> by an eternal mummy. Yes. That was the Classic. best thing ever. He, okay. he never showed up directly, really, to mess with you. It was always through proxies, though. True, true. That, there, there's a book by John Wick. He showed up one out. time. That's right. One time when you had beaten up, you and one of the other player characters had gotten into a fight. He showed up, and you had, like, one blood point left and one health level left, and he delivered the coup de gras and dragged you back to Egypt. Yes, that is the case. A mummy, two-point flaw. Yeah. Two-point flaw. <laughs> well, because he was not with that mummy, dude. He I know. He I didn't know. do a lot to you, though. It was, just, it was just the threat was always there. He was one of those high threat levels, always in the back of your mind. Never really made himself known, though. Okay, so John Wick has this current has this book out. You can get it on Drive to RPG for like five bucks, and it's and I I can't remember what it's called. I, I forgive me. I'll post it somewhere on Facebook or something. A link to it. But um, the first it's 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 essentially like dirty tricks for GMs, right? And apparently, like I, it's based on a series of articles that he wrote for a gaming magazine called Pyramid, like back in the early two thousands. And apparently, when he wrote this series of articles, they were considered controversial. I'm making the air quotes controversial and people like wrote in being like you're the devil right <laughs> really and i kid you not so I, so I bought this book i'm like i'm like what am i missing i would i would love to find some cool new ways to stick it to the pcs and chapter one is something that adam and i just learned through playing a lot back in the late 90s early 2000s which is flip over that fucking character sheet look at what they say their merits are look at what they say their flaws are Take those flaws and just and use it like a shiv. Yep. Like every every chance you get, just use it like a shiv. And then, if you're particularly sadistic, if you really want to get their soft in your belly, look what those merits are. Don't for, don't be don't 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 forget about those fucking merits. Like look at there and say, oh well, what is it that, that my character his his character values this loved one, yeah, this, and all uh, that stuff. Yeah, oh, uh. well, you put a bunch of points into a haven. Yeah, you know, like oh, what would happen if like the prince burned it down you know what i'm saying this kind of stuff and that stuff first of all players hate it but players also love it it invests them so fast and so hard 
Sure. I, I think a lot of that depends on how it's done, but yeah. Right. Well, yeah. A lot of it gets I mean, back to that removing points off the character sheet like we were talking about earlier. Like, it sucks yeah. if you spend five points on a haven, then he's like, you burned it down, you don't have any more. Oh, well, no, no. Like, like, if it's night one, you're like, oh, I'm going to go back to my haven, and you're like, it's gone! It's, it's gone. totally gone! It's yeah. gone! Yeah. <laughs> Meet the sunlight, bitch! But remember, there were all those games where like, somebody owned a bar Right, and, and yeah. then you and you guys would hang <laughs> out at the up. you guys would hang out at the bar, and then stuff happens to the bar. Yeah, right. Yeah. And but but you don't you don't do it on for session one. You do it on like session fifteen or twenty. No, that was fine because it was like a it was like a dramatic build up and stuff yeah. that was happening. You know, because people love the bar now. Yeah. It's like it's, it's, yeah. it's like a character in the game, and then you blow it up. You know? That was my bar. And by that time, by that point, they should have some experience points that they can use to buy another fucking. You know, yeah. and, and this is one of the ways that like. Uh, Requiem's second edition has changed where they got rid of um, they got rid of like uh, uh, uh flaws. They got rid of them. All right, they're just huh. they're just gone. They're Interesting. Not, you know, so now that now they have these these things called conditions. Right. That is how you um. Can I still have Iron Will and be unbondable? No, only that's only in it's only in Masquerade and Dark Ages, which I mean, you know, we're talking about playing that now, so we'll fucking see. <laughs> we'll fucking see, man. Character creation next year. Look for it. Keep be ready. Yeah. I I remember a lot of like sleepless nights over those merits and flaws back in the day. Like sleepless nights. What does no, that mean? Like, 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 there was a lot no, of like weird anger mean. over like certain ones. And I comments. just remember everybody taking. Everybody would take like certain flaws. They would Short take fuse. They Short would fuse. take taint of corruption because it was oh plants wither your approach. I don't give a fuck about plants. It's free. <laughs> it's one point for <laughs> no, free. No. And they I were saying the corruption because I thought it was cool. I thought it was like cool. I was always mentioning myself looking kind of like Nick Knight from Forever Night and being yeah. like, I'm a vampire. I wear sunglasses at night. Like, oh, I've reached for a rose and it withers. Oh, you know what I'm saying? That's what I was in. <laughs> I was a goth. Uh, young, a, young goth. Uh, yeah, like none of the rest of us were. It, <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was just it was just ridiculous. You ended up with a spate of you could expect to see the same flaws over and over. You never saw the horrible flaws though. You know, you never saw some of the just really more ridiculous, like hairy, horrible ones. I remember like, what was the one highlight? Oh, Ward. He took Ward as a flaw oh, one time. Yeah, I yeah. just punished the hell out of him for that one. I think uh, Jeff did once too, right? In that that first New Orleans yes. game, the Masquerade New Orleans game, and yes, it's like he was like, "I'm here to find my Ward," and it was like, oh, "This fellow is a psychotic." <laughs> so what happened was uh, with Heiligman's Ward, his Ward ended up just becoming like a. Uh, you know that Zimache character who's got the little girl like yeah. on his back and she's insane. Uh, it's not Velia. That's it's Some yeah, it's, damn yeah guy. it's whoever that guy is. I don't remember his name. Anyway, it, um, yeah, his his ward just was another Nosferatu vampire little kid, who just essentially the humanity on that kid just degraded <laughs> so fast, <laughs> and was just a complete psychopath. And he just I remember what clan was Heilig? He was Nosferatu as well. He always played Nosferatu. He loved Nosferatu. So they were both Nosferatu. It was an older brother and his younger brother. And the younger brother was his ward. It was another player character at the start of the game. And then that guy dropped out. But the thing was, is humanity, it just kept dropping steadily. So I just kept going with it. And by the end of that game, it was this humanity one, just like horrible nightmare demon child. And I just remember Ben hating that other character, <laughs> hating his ward. So I'm like, how do I kill my ward? I'm like, you can't kill your ward. He's your ward. <laughs> Why would you let him kill him? We, I yeah, would I, have if he if he had had uh if he had had you know 
a compelling reason to. His reason was he was an inconvenience. Oh well, so. I mean that's just well. I mean, what 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 was his nature and demeanor? I don't remember. Because I mean, if he's like if he if he's like just being a sociopath and yeah. he's just like I'm just gonna kill him because he's like a bother to me. Well, then of course, but right. like like I he was pretty awful, and yeah, I just remember he kept trying to redeem him and just couldn't do it. And he didn't. He also didn't want to spend the points to buy off the flaw. Because oh. buying off flaws is expensive. Yeah. So you should have just said like, "Oh yeah, go ahead, and kill him," and then just been like automatic uh, yeah. humanity loss. Automatic. automatic, automatic. He kills your ward. Yeah. I'm not gonna make you roll for it. Yeah. <laughs> Two just, points I, gone. I just just take your humanity. Yeah, take a bitch. derangement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you automatically fail your derangement yeah. roll. Yeah. So well, I imagine killing your younger brother, who is your ward, you know, well, would, would many, probably cause you some like mental how issues. How long have they been vampires? I don't know. I I never really had a good sense for that because. What game was this? Oh, it was... I can't even remember. It was... They all kind of merged together they in the brain, They all meld together, they? yeah. yeah it wasn't a, L.A., I know that. Big, it turns into a big soup. I just remember L.A. had the most ridiculous ending ever. Yeah, what? That was your... What? Okay, I always thought that your L.A. game, which I never played in, BT-dubs, I always thought it sounded a little bit like a racist clusterfuck to me. <laughs> it kind of was a racist <laughs> clusterfuck, just because of everybody was essentially playing characters they had no experience with, and everyone was a gang member, which yeah. was uh, yeah. problematic to begin with. And talking- the ending of that game was everybody just in this gigantic gunfight and, and killing everybody else. It what? was... And you're talking like a bunch of white dudes all playing like right. black dudes and Asian dudes in, mm-hmm. in, in in L.A. like in doing like a John Woo. The guy playing the Asian guy was actually was Asian. An Asian, and his character was also kind of racist. But um, <laughs> was this John? Yeah, uh, no, it wasn't John. It was a uh, Hong Tan. Yeah, uh, and his character was also sort of kind of. But yeah, the the other characters were very problematic. But that's the whole thing, right? Like you're sitting here going, "I'm gonna get into the head of this other." culture this other genre and it was it was a very much la that game written at the time it was which was the 90s dude because you're running los angeles by night which is the first edition masquerade book. first edition masquerade book and it is already um like dude littered with nwa and all the rest of that so it's it's already just in that gangster rap new jack city mindset and that is the entire direction that game went in and I mean, it's not like they got any better with like Theo Bell or whatever. The no, it didn't. Fuck his and name was. I mean, that guy. They're was... products of their time. And that was the thing was even just watching it or even just reading it and looking back on it now. You're just going, man, that Dude, I, I would not do that. I've again always hated Theo Bell. That was, I, I think like that was one, was one of my first experiences purchasing a uh, a uh, city book, and that was Los one of my Angeles. Last. Yeah, Dude, it was. It, it, okay, okay. Last gripe about Old World of Darkness, Classic World of Darkness. Before we move on to a little bit of D and D talk. They, they, they get, sell you this cool game, right? They sell you cool Masquerade First Edition and you're, or Second Edition. You're reading it and you're like, oh, this is super fucking cool, right? And this is how it, this is how this, this city works and it tells you all this shit, right? right? And then you go out and you buy a city book and you're like, it'll be like that, kind of. And it's like never like that. Right. You know, yeah. like Los Angeles by night. Oh, Anarch Free States, which like, first of all, is a concept that made no sense even then and they never made it make any sense. You know, like what were some of the other ones? New, New Orleans by Night. I completely rewrote that book to run it. Berlin by Night, which was one of the worst ones, Ugh. had actual Nazis in it. Well, that was because it, yeah, well. Right, had actual Nazis in it. I was like, yeah, you guys probably should have, like, just taken the Nazis out of that game. That was a well, first edition one as well, too, right? Well, yeah, the first edition, book edition, the first book they put out with the city, and it was Gary, Indiana. Yo, my God. And the God, second book they put out was Chicago. Chicago. Chicago, yeah, Chicago yeah, was awful. Chicago was awful. Like, 
unrunnable. Uh, the Gary Indiana one was terrible, also unrunnable. You ran both of them, did you not? No. You ran with Milwaukee. Nope. I ran Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, and that was a cluster. That lasted like two sessions before it fell apart. Um, there was Milwaukee. There was L.A. There was Washington, D.C., which was first edition. First edition, second edition. Yeah. There was... Uh, it's, it's difficult to differentiate in my head now. There was Montreal, which was a black dog Ooh, book. And that, game, that, that book is still good. There I mean, was it's L.A. A corny, but it's good. What that, else that was, was there? That, that was like their crowning achievement in terms of city books, as far as I'm concerned. Vancouver, Dark Alliance, Vancouver. Yeah, we said Vancouver. Dark Alliance, Vancouver, which was a cross between... Werewolf. And Werewolf and... Yeah, a crossover game. And then there was... The oh. Wraith one was Atlanta. Atlanta, yeah. And, and that, that actually had one of the better, uh, I thought, Masquerade City books. There was like six pages kind of shoehorned into right, the back. Right, into the back, yeah. Because kind of, we know, played actually, an Atlanta game we back played, then. We played, yeah. We, yeah. That, that entire Atlanta game that, that I ran was, that year, well, I, yeah. I, I ran completely out of that like six to nine pages. Okay. Right. And then I'm trying to remember. I get the feeling there's another. Oh, there was a. New York by Night. Oh right, that came there out later. New York, no, New York by Night was like the same era as DC and LA. They're kind of hitting the big ones. No, that was that. Oh was no, you're right. You know what? You're, you're totally right. That that was third edition. Revised. Yeah, that was yeah, third. third edition. Revised. They came out with a bunch of signature characters, as I recall, which yeah. was sort of like a hallmark of the this, revised. Like right, the and then there was shit. there was all that. Uh, the, there was the Mexico one, right? The Mexico, Mexico City. City. There was all the Kindred of the East stuff. There was so there was Hong Kong. Oh, there was the San Francisco Tokyo. one. San Francisco, for the East. which was from San Francisco to the East. Yeah, that's right. true. That is true. And yeah. which didn't make any more sense than the fucking uh Well, Kindred to the one. East was broken amazing. in its own unique and interesting way. It was an amazing setting that I love. It was broken in its own unique yeah. and interesting way. That was one of the first ones when I was divesting myself of some of the collection that I never saw myself running again I, was that one. I always I, felt like it that, was very unfathomable. That was sort it, of like the real problem. The with problem it. I had with it was you got disciplines that did like three different things and were so much better than the disciplines <laughs> on the uh, on the other ones. So it, it was, was a love letter to, to like to like the orientophiles or whatever it really I mean, it was, was but at the same time it was also problematic in its depiction of the orient well, in like a way. It, yeah. yeah but 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 truthfully i mean one of the problems you get i think in vampire when you start talking about roads and paths right like humanity beyond humanity right right these ideas of these sort of like um like weird methodologies for living life and 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 kindred of the east was full of that yeah, and, you know, to be honest, I was actually at work thinking about this the other day. I don't think that that is as big of a deal as we kind of made it at the time. I mean, I don't your your player doesn't have to actually have a fucking moment of dawn or whatever it is in order for you to gain an extra point of path. Right. You know, you just have to make the roll. <laughs> you have to spend the fucking like experience points to make the roll, and then the fucking storyteller tells you, "Oh, you see a frog sitting on a lily pad," and it makes you realize something <laughs> about your fucking. <laughs> you know? Which again, problematic. It was like I, it was very weird. It just kind of glommed all of Asia together, you know. Yeah, you know, that's definitely a that thing was kind of happen. the problem I had with yeah. it. Was oh yeah, bone flowers are bone flowers, and this is that, and it doesn't matter if you're Korean or Chinese or Japanese. Like kindred of the East, they're just well, Asian uh, vampires. They, they all go to Yomi, and that's just it. And I'm they, like, they had these like huge geographical regions mm-hmm. that would have like two or three paragraphs with a description in a in a setting book. Right, you know, they'd be like. Oh yeah, the oh, and then they had Hong Kong by night. That was another. Did I say Hong Kong? I mean, Maybe you did. I suppose I can understand that on some level if you're talking about an ancient being who like spans like pre Joseon Dynasty, like like 
China and Korea as one, you know, but they like, just, they could never handle other cultures very well. Wraith had the same problem, like the Ebony Kingdoms and the Jade Empire, where it's like, oh, there's an emperor, but he's actually like a specter. And he's got all these like clay statue guys who oh, are his God, soldiers. That and I was really like, bummed Holy me out. shit, are you kidding that me? That really bummed me out. I just thought it was kind of silly as fuck. It was ridiculous. And yeah, you just, they, they never really figured out how to effectively portray yeah they never just they never figured out how to effectively portray other cultures well we'll see if that how that changes with the v20 stuff that's coming out and with new additions we'll see we'll see yeah. we have, i think here's the thing is that the problem has been acknowledged you know and that's the first step that's the first step but I, first step. was dnd any better it had what oriental adventures where it was basically just lumped all of asia together and was like well, here's but, a book yeah, for but if it's you not actually asia not Asian, yeah, it's, and it's like it's, it's like sort of like Asian inspired fans. Yeah, it's Asian not Rokugan. That's a uh, that's Legend of the Five Rings, but it's yeah. I mean, I right. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. It's right. no more. It's no. It, it's just it's an allegory or something. Anyway, um, so D and D, we had our session of uh, Out of the Abyss. Adam doesn't play in Out of the Abyss. Yeah, I think we described this episode as Prison Break. Yeah, was, you guys were in the Drow prison and you got decided to get out, and there were a number of NPCs that kind of like you know you decided to like help out with that. Yeah, in much like um, sort of surprising fashion, usually in uh, scenes like this, we come up with these elaborate plans that go horribly awry. Oh, yeah, true. Um, but this was uh, not the case. In fact, uh, we had a very sort of simplistic plan. With we had inside members who were helping us. Um, That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, it didn't really require much of you guys. You just walked out the door essentially at some point, right? Yeah, I mean, we had to get the keys. We got the keys. Once we had the keys, when the time was right, we just walked out the door, um, allowed anybody else who wanted to walk out the door to walk out the door, um, grabbed our gear, and then committed mass murder. Yeah, yeah. You, you uh, definitely kind of like killed the fuck out of some drow and uh, at the at Velkenveer where you were um, being held, and then um, you escaped, and like three NPCs ended up going with you. Um, the uh, surface dwarf Eldeth, um, the uh, Jim Drow, Jar. Jim Jim Jar, the Snurf Nebelin, and um, and uh, the Drow Ranger Huntress. Can I just comment that you seriously have a character named Jim Jar? Dude, he comes, Jim Jar is a really sweet character. Dude, first of all, he's a great character, and he comes with the book. Uh, uh I would. Yeah, yeah, it's a good. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, it's good. I'm not in that game. <laughs> I would have issues with Jim with Jar. Jim Jar, Jim yeah. Jar the Zverf Nebelin. I don't know. You get kind of used to it. There's like a bunch of weird naming conventions that are going on in the Underdark, and you just have to kind of like, you just have to kind of like roll with it. Because yeah. let me tell you, you can't like take it's, time. It's to too close to Jar Jar. I'd, I'd have issues with it. Yeah, trust me. I think that every time I say it. I actually it, hadn't but... made the connection until you just said I have a problem with it. And then I was like, what's Adam's problem? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's actually a guy, there's like a Kuatoa who's in the prison with them, or at least he was, who actually looks like Boss Nass from fucking Star Wars. In fact, at one point, like, Speaking they're like asking me what this, racist stuff. They, 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 he's, they're asking me, like, what does this guy look like? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, he's like this big fat fish guy, and he looks kind of like this and kind of like that. And then, and then they're all looking at me blankly, and I was just kind of like, all right, look, you just kind of like Boss Nass from fucking Star Wars, okay? Just, and I hate saying shit like that. I hate saying, oh, this is like Star Wars. The problem was every time. I'd bring that up with the guys I was playing with. It would kick off a twenty-minute. Oh, so much, yeah, well, that's because oh, you Jedi, yeah. you have oh, so much no, money. Oh, right. Here, here we go. We're there right. already. That's what I'm saying. We're is there. it would kick that off? It just no. It didn't happen in this game. Though. That's we, good. We, uh, I'm glad to hear that. 
Yeah, no, it was. We it was pushed going past, past it. Um, yeah, it was pretty. It was going. No, I mean, I like Jim Jar. Jim Jar. I. I. So. So you. There's like fucking a dozen characters in this prison that, with them, and then I threw some other NPCs in there. And right. I kind of see who they responded to, and then at a certain point, I was just getting kind of frustrated with the Out of the Abyss book. It, it just feels really overwhelming to run, and I just kind of like what we were saying where we're just like 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 oh why is everything got to be on rails this book doesn't even try to be on rails so i don't want to dissuade anybody from running it by saying like oh it's on rails but the nature of the way that it's written is almost more like a zelda game where you're kind of like walking around out and, and then you there's like these spots that you go to and then there's these little like keyed adventures that are going to happen there right. and i'm just like man this stuff doesn't interest me at all anymore. and you have to go get the item so you can get to the next area that, that you need the item for that without trying dude without doing too spoilery ben like seriously, that's like a real problem. Like if you go to this city first, you gotta you gotta go to this other city, you gotta get this item, and then you gotta go to this other city, and you gotta get another item, and then you gotta take it back to yep. the guy at the first city. Revenge of the like, Giants um, had the exact same problem. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that. I don't think that uh, that's gonna be a problem for us because we might not even we might just ignore a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, at this point, before we even sat down to play the game, I was like, I was just like, you know what? I love this book. It's very well illustrated. It's well written for what it is. And there's there's a lot of people who like playing role playing like that, and that's fine. I'm not dogging that at all. That's totally fine. Um, it's got great NPCs in it. It's got great maps, and I'm just going to chuck the plot. I mean, I like, I'm like. i going to take the basic outline of the plot, and we're going to keep doing that. But everything else we're just going to do ourselves, you know? So I introduced some new NPCs that are not necessarily in the in the book to the party. You guys are kind of traveling with them for a while. Yeah, Um. in case you weren't aware of what actually is, who is actually in this game, uh, we have sort of a diverse party in the sense that um, we have a... a I guess a lot of like ethical spannings in our party. Uh, I was really encouraging these guys to go all fucking bonkers and do like a the crazy underdark game, and they were giving me like this very kind of I don't know. It's, it's an interesting party. It's not quite as as I was kind of thinking. It'd be like it'd be like Boba Fett. It'd be like it'd be like this Star Wars. Just like in Star Wars. It's like in Star Wars and like Darth Vader's on the on the on the the, the bridge of that Star Destroyer, and it's right. like it's like four Lom and fucking you know Bib Fortuna. Bausch. Bausch. Sorry, Bib Fortuna's Bib Fortuna. not in there. Bib Fortuna's not there, but Boba Fett is. Shut yeah. up. <laughs> it's Shut up, Dengar, man. Bausch, ba- Boss, four Lom. Four Lom. IG88. Or, yeah, not not, not Bausch, Bosk. Uh, yeah, you guys IG88. Are super nerds. Uh, yeah, those guys. Yeah, and those then, guys. And then no disintegration specifically no, to Boba Fett yeah. because. As you wish. All right, we did it. We got it out of our system. Anyway, I was hoping it would be like that. Like, this is like this rogues gallery of miscreants. And instead, it's like, I got a paladin of Kelmbor. I got a wood elf monk who's like lawful evil. He's a lawful evil. I've got a lawful evil wood elf monk. Okay. I got who, a who actually Who actually was uh, uh, enslaved from the surface world uh, as a young child and ended up in a uh, crazy uh, monk temple. And, uh, Can I just say, my biggest problem with the Underdark to this day remains um, the Durgar and the Drow. Like, In we're going to have evil uh, dwarves. What do they look like? Well, they got fire red hair and like and dark dark skin. Yeah. Okay. What What about the Drow? Okay. Well, we got these guys, the Drow. What do they look like? Well, they got like shock white hair and what and dark dark skin. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So they all they live underground. They should should be be like grub like. They should be pale (laughs) and translucent. And you've made them the exact opposite of that. Dungeon ecology makes no sense. Dungeon ecology makes no sense. There's there's no evolution in these fantasy worlds. yeah, and it's just one of those things, and it, it, it kind of relates back to. Or it could be a magical curse from their spider demon queen, Lolf. Who knows? Uh, yeah, but well, I the think Durgar, it... the Zverev Neblin, and the Drow all share this common skin pigment. Right, yes. and it, and I feel like it, it goes back a lot to the 
the fantasy writings that inspired it, which was like the the Howard Conan stuff and the and the uh, um, Tolkien, Tolkien and the uh, and uh, the to a lesser extent, ah, uh, Lovecraft. We could call so. it a, a, a adaptation to help survive in the dark caverns and burrows light Edgar doesn't Rice reflect burrows. off your skin you're, you're, you're talking about the like uh appendix n stuff you're talking about the appendix yeah N yeah you just series. you end up with a lot of in those classic books of the genre the classic pulp books the enemies all kind of look like that too well look it's, yeah the, it's like the fear of the, the right. outsider the fear yep. of the the bar the barbarian quote-unquote yeah. you know this the the, the that's just always what's bugged me about individual. the underdark is yeah no i mean i let, trust me, man. I've always wanted to do the Underdark. That said, Mind Flayers are sweet. Fucking sweet. So sweet. All operations are sweet. But um, I, I've always been attracted to do that setting because it, has, it, it, prevent, it, right. it has these interesting challenges to it. Yeah. But uh, so we got, well, we got the weird monk. We got a drow rogue. A drow rogue who yeah. is a, who is, whose uh, backstory intertwined with a tiefling warlock. Tiefling warlock. Okay. And then... Uh, I don't know anything about playing tiefling warlocks. <laughs> and then we got... Uh, a, a gnome enchanter, so a gnome enchanter who's like a very much like like straight out of the fiction kind of like like he like Ed Ed Greenwood could have written this guy kind of gnome enchanter. So, um, it's a mixed bag and it's kind of interesting. The guy who played the gnome enchanter, Alex, he wasn't there. He was at this game puppy show. So, um, it was it, it, we were kind of playing on like uh, uh four out of five wheels, I guess, and it ended up being a good session. I thought that the interactions between the um characters and the NPCs worked out really well. And then we had our first taste of mechanics. We had our first taste of like real fighting. Yes. Dude, dude, Adam, let me tell you, man, D&D 5 is no joke. It is fucking good in terms of the combat. It it moves fast, it's snappy, it's not all page flippy like the fucking like a uh, 3.5 shit. And um it is it is just so lethal while at the same time giving the PCs the room to do what it is that they do. It is. It, it was crazy. Do you have any insights? Uh, I, I could let's go on. see. I could go on and um, on. We we fought a couple of uh, low level challenges, right? We had a. Uh, the first one was the was the octopus. Yeah, it was a rock octopus. Rock, rock octopus. The rock octopus. Uh, uh, octopus made of um, rocks. It looks <laughs> looks like it's made of rocks. Lives in the looks to me. I'm not judging. I, I'm not here to judge the rock octopus. <laughs> no, I mean it was a uh, uh, short combat um you see it was short but what was interesting is that that fucking thing has 52 hit points all right yeah and that's, that's the cr1 encounter and i was like i mean a cr1 encounter not only did that 52 hit points it hit one of the party members like a truck and nearly floored him yeah things the things this is what's so great about about combat in five from monster manual style L low acs uh lots of hit points and then they just hit like a fucking truck, like he said. So, so, so the PCs can sit there and hack away at it. They're not getting frustrated. Remember, like right. in your first level, and you're like, I can't hit the skeleton. Remember that? Yeah. But the skeleton's not really doing anything to me. Yeah. It, was, it just felt like kind of like masturbation for the first, the right. first few, the first few levels. Like you feel like you're doing a lot, but like you're gonna get laid out like that. We they, they do this random encounter where they come into a cavern and there's two gricks in there. You know what a grick is? It's kind of like a it's like a cathonic looking thing. It's got some tentacles. Snake and kind of thing with tentacles. And yeah. Isn't a snake really just one big tentacle? 
Sure, but it splits <laughs> off into four. Like, I mean, like a just, like a oh, all right. Okay, but I'm yeah. just uh, like, it, just well, in terms of the it's, physiology. It's, 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 like, it's, sure. it's got like a snake body, but then it's like splits into tentacles on its head, and then it's got a bone beak. It also has bone spurs on the end of each tentacle. Anyway. So it's a snake to puss. The snake, it's a snake to puss. So you had a rock to puss, and the then you find snake to puss. You seem to be like very focused these, on tentacle these were, beasts. These were all random encounters. BTW, I had like, I had like sat there and like rolled out all the random encounters. So I wouldn't have to roll it while we were fucking playing. And then I left the notebook, like my my game master notebook, somewhere else. I couldn't find it at game time. I just had to start rolling these. As you things. do, yeah. And I think the game, to be totally honest, the momentum of the session kind of broke down as I was sitting there going like, oh, you fight a roctopus. You know what I'm saying? Because it was, it, was, it was almost like you're back in sixth grade. Yeah, that right. was that was one of my – I mean, it did feel like it broke down a little bit there, like in the traveling and the rolling of dice. It wasn't as bad as like some of the other ones that we've had over the years with like uh, Wheel of Time where we're just oh, like rolling dice. Oh, no. That was yeah. – That was miserable. Well, um, just yeah. that traveling part portion of it. Well, right. I mean, because the system for that was just unbelievably bad. I can't believe that they wrote it. It's as though nobody had actually played the system that they had yeah. r- wrote into the book. But, um, but yeah, no, the uh, traveling felt a little bit slow uh, because of that. Yeah, it'll, um, it'll be better next session. But, yeah, I mean, one of our characters nearly died against the Griggs. Yeah, because um, the Griggs, uh, they, they swung for 2d6 plus 2, I think. I mean, that's ridiculous against first level characters. And then if they hit, they also get another attack, too, immediately right out. They follow up with a beak. I mean, it was yeah. like, it was insane. Yeah. So, it was really lethal. That's awesome. So it's like you could, uh, I mean, you could you could kill a character. I mean, not kill, but you could incapacitate them in one I, round. I, right. I finished, I think, at one hit point. Um, another character finished at, like, two hit points. No, there was, there was a point when all, when, like, four, three out of the four players, three out of the four player characters had one hit point. And it was like, somebody needs to do fucking do something, like, right now. And that was, that was good. That was good. Intensity. And the drow rogue was about to run away. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Heather's playing the drow rogue. She didn't really know kind of what to do with it. but so That's, that's you... kind of in character for a drow rogue, though. Just like, um, good luck <laughs> to you guys. Yeah. And I was like, the... I was thinking, yeah. do, I, do I follow the lead? Do I, like, do I, like, run? If I run, the paladin's, like, screwed. You can always run. No, I understand. You can always run. That is a paladin. So no big loss. you ran one of these book games, right? You ran Revenge of the Giants. Revenge of the Giants. You, you have yep. any like insights into that? You have any like? So that was that was a book that was fairly railsy. Um, was it? Yeah, it, it was very much like you go here and then the guy sends you there, and you come back and he sends you here, and you go here and he sends you there. So we did some of the railsy stuff, but it was interspersed by a lot of. Uh, character-driven stuff. And one of the things about that game was the parts that really worked were the things that the players decided they wanted to do rather than the Railsy kind of... Like, the Railsy stuff was actually fairly kind of shitty. Um, <laughs> and the... Uh, just the going off and doing random excursions off to other places, like one of them wanted to find his mentor, and one of them wanted to go off into the Underdark and do some stuff, and a couple of them changed players partway through because they're just like, I don't want to play this character anymore. I want to play a different character. Yeah. Um, and it all kind of flowed together really nice, and there was just a lot of really fun stuff going on. I never got to finish the game, which is a big disappointment to me because I liked the way it was going. How long did you run that game for? Yeah. I don't know, like a year or something like you're, that. You're like a distance guy. You like put in the work. Man. I like you to are... run games for a long time because I, I always start out with a story in mind, and then I'm always happy to uh, entertain the players when they want to go off on flights of fancy. And that's why my games almost never tend to conclude yeah. in a timely fashion. Like, how long did we play Transylvania Chronicles for? 
years. That was a years-long game. Years. Like, it went on for years. I remember how much crazy stuff happened in that game, and none of it was really in the books. Yeah, I wasn't around for the end of it, though. I, I was only around for, like, a couple books, I think. It just – it kind but. of fizzled. It didn't really ever end. Um, Just because by the time they released the fourth book for it yeah, and I read it, I was Black like, are you kidding me? This is where this is headed, and I just couldn't bring myself to, to conclude it that way. Um, we kind of finished like right around the French Revolution. It was like right around there, or shortly after that, that I think I, we I ended remember up bleeding in the French up. Revolution section of it. Yeah, you came back because oh. at that point it had been just like a pretty much. It was just a Sabbath game at that point. You were playing a different character. You weren't playing your same character anymore. Yeah, well, I started out as a Sedite in your game, and then yeah, I you were a Sedite, and then I think I was a Zimmer. You and Hyla killed each other, as I recall. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then I think uh, we. I was uh, what did I play as a? Is, by the time we got to the French Revolution, I can't remember. Hey, you went through that Somebody many characters. Somebody was Salubri and Teach Review. That was, that was Durr, because he was a Zimache <laughs> for a long time. I don't need social ability. Who killed his character? NPCs, maybe. I thought it was one of you guys killed him oh, too. Oh, oh, it was a gang beating. Yeah, all of insane. you killed him. Like his I think all was of you. Yeah, I think all of you killed him. You killed off his his ghouls first. Yes. And then you killed he him. Had ghouls, they yeah, all he like had ghouls. martial ghouls. He like, had ghouls so. that were ridiculous because they would get XP too, and they leveled right. like as time went on. They were yeah. that Bradovich and that other guy he had were friggin' insane. <laughs> oh, I've heard stories about this Bradovich guy. And so yeah, uh, this this Salubri walking the earth with his Bradovich ghoul friend. That's a that's a little weird. <laughs> no, it wasn't the Salubri. He was a Zimache when he oh, had the ghoul. Yeah, he was a Zimache. Oh. He was a Zimache, and then he got killed by the other people. He like oh, changed okay. into Troptopedon Marauder form, but he didn't realize it didn't happen like like he couldn't do it right that turn. Uh-huh. There was a delay on it. Sure. And sure. so he was what? And then like the other <laughs> just beat him into the ground while that was going on and he never made the transformation. And then they killed him. The PCs did this? Yeah, the PCs did it. And, I forget uh, why, but his character was so murderous and so like I mean he was murderous to everybody. Yeah, he killed everyone. Like he had killed a couple PCs by that point. Um <laughs> his, yeah, and, his character was just any and he was he was like a homicidal maniac. He like was he on Road of Humanity? I think he was, but he was like super low. It was like a one or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, I thought he was like Path of the Beast or whatever. Oh, he God. wasn't even like Path of Humanity. He was he was insane. Yeah, his character was like clinically insane and willing right. to just murder anybody and everybody. And he had the power to even do that to NPCs. Right. Like it didn't even matter. It was just like, oh, is this NPC not like a fifth generation Camerill founder? Dead. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, he did that. And then there was a La Sombra. That was Horseman. What was Heilig playing? The original one or the, the we second each other? one? Oh. His original one was like oh. a Bruja, right? And then his second one was. What was his second one? I don't remember. Anyway. I think it was a Nosferatu. But... Yeah, it may have been a Nosferatu. He loves Nosferatu. And yeah, it was just a such a mess. There was so much carnage in that game. It, it turned into just, like I said, an Elder's game. It basically just turned into the original characters became Elders and all set out to kill each other, which they did. So we rolled up new elders, and then those guys, basically, because they didn't have all of those games together where they had built up all that animosity, yeah. were a five-man wrecking crew oh, or whatever, geez, where they just quite rolled where through and were murdering everybody. So that was that game. Yeah, I have to say, though, part of that came down to sort of like a weird player philosophy in that like social encounters didn't matter, and mm -hmm. what mattered was like 
combat. Right. And uh, well, those guys who play that that game, who played in that game, I mean, they still all play together. You know, I mean, they right. still yeah. play, they still. The, I mean, the, the 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 principles. What the principles are right. still game. Still game together like, to this very day. Right, true. and it's still, playing tonight. it's still heavily combat based. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's really what the, that, that's really just what they like to do. Right, that's what that's and and I'm not bagging on that. There was a time when I was like really drinking the White Wolf Kool Aid, and I was all like, "This is art, dude. We're fucking reinventing the wheel here, man." And like, I would have been like, "Touch, touch." I don't do that. You know what I'm saying? But now I'm just like, you know, dude, whatever gets your rocks off, as long as you're playing the game and on the I dice. just remember this ridiculous scene where we were in like a, some sort of masquerade ball. And like, <laughs> and like, and like, I think, uh, I think, uh, there were Tremere there. There were Tremere there. And, and something was going to happen. A teacher you. Yeah, something's going to happen. They were going and... to kill another Salubri. They were going to kill a Salubri. And you wanted someone to make a social role and, and, uh, the most famous famous lines were I don't need social abilities. I have Vengeance of Samuel. <laughs> I have yeah. Vengeance of Samuel. <laughs> and then he opens up his third eye and proceeds to hack a character in half. Yep. <laughs> I don't need social abilities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh Jesus! What do you even say to that? What do you say? <laughs> Nothing. I, I you don't just know. watch him murder people. <laughs> you just watch your game that's, like that's die. That's what they want to do. <laughs> they just wanted to murder people, and they were like, "We're gonna murder." I think it was like Madame Gill or something. They're like, we're gonna go kill her, and I oh, was like, she's the, she's one of the, wait, who is she? She's one of the signature characters, right? I think she's like one of the Torridor signature oh, characters yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. like, we're gonna murder her, and I was like, no, you are, you, know, you are not. You are not gonna go murder <laughs> her. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was when I had to bust out some high level disciplines on them. I was just like, oh man, yeah. I think it was just presence. I was like, yeah, you don't really feel like killing her. <laughs> like she seems perfectly oh, okay to you. That is the thing about presence. Presence is the game that will is the, is the discipline that will save your game. Yeah. Like when when the, when the five man wrecking crew comes in, and then you're like, I mean, that's why whenever I'm running Masquerade or like uh, Requiem or something, I always keep a character around. And the um, Invictus-y, Camarilla-y, Solani, Elysium-y kind of like uh, areas that has some kind of like mega presence stat where they can just be like. Presence slash majesty, where they can just be right. like, oh, oh, nope, this, this is not an opposed role. This just happens. Right. It's just, it just, this is just happens. You know, like, like, uh, th- what was it that they built that entire Nosferatu fucking discipline on in Requiem? But it was like at level two in in Dread Gaze. Mm, fucking Dread Gaze. Or, yeah, yeah. They built. Yeah. They, they part, essentially, right. they essentially took took Dread Gaze, the presence ability, which was like always a sort of an off note right. for presence, which was always like, you like me, you like me, you like me, except right. for it level two which is you hate me you right. know what i'm saying well you flee from me you you're scared me. of me right right and they, and they expanded that to a whole five five power discipline you know right. and uh like that fucking new orleans game where hylix character had was playing he's a torridor he's like playing against type and he was like oh i'm i got the torridor with with uh the presence too and then some big fucking npcs is like i'm gonna fucking get you it's like the big climactic battle <laughs> and he goes uh Dread gaze. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, surely there's like a roll or something I get to make. It's like, nope, nope. nope. You flee. So, so exactly, just runs away. So from like that point forward, I always like keep somebody around. I don't even know if in... I was in that New Orleans game. I don't think you I were don't in think that I one. Was. You played in the Atlanta game. I was in Atlanta. You were in the you were in the, the the you played that super great private detective character in the Atlanta game, right. but then you didn't. You weren't in the New Orleans game. And then I don't know. Our attendance in each other's games has been kind of patchy. Yeah, it really since, has since the since the days of early college slash late slash late high school, which now we're dating ourselves. Yep. But you know, we've always kept up on the shit together, on the tricks of the trade. 
if you will. The life, the gamer life, which I, you know, I, I don't know. I had this. I always had this feeling. I don't know if you did. I always had this feeling like like we were going to get over it at a certain point. Like we were going to be like, oh no, we don't really do this anymore. We're too cool, or we got real jobs, or we we started uh, like. I never really had that feeling. I I don't know it. I kind of think the stuff that you're interested in as a teenager kind of carries through a large portion of your life. I if you look at the music the I'm still listening to, I'm still listening to the music I listened to as a teenager. I'm still reading the type of books I read as a teenager. I'm still interested in the type of stuff I was interested. It really like that's the time your brain's developing and really growing. So there's always that fondness. Like that's why nostalgia has such a huge thing. That's why there's all these people who are like, I'm gonna go back and like pay five hundred dollars for a transformer on eBay, you know, because it makes me feel good inside. You know, it's like there's that nostalgia, and that's why it's so hard to divest yourself of that stuff. Like I, when you it, get rid of your books, you eventually end up reacquiring them. You know, because oh, there was me. a there was a time where I was I like, all this shit like I'm gonna times. pack up all my masquerade stuff, and I'm gonna get rid of all my requiem stuff and all my wraith stuff. And yeah, you know, I only ever ran one wraith game, and I loved that. I loved wraith. Um, and I only ever ran one changeling lost game, and I love changeling. They're just such hard games to run with people. Yeah. Um, but I have such fond yeah. memories of them that I just keep them, you know? I'm probably yeah. never going to open those up again. I'm probably never going to play them again. I'm never going to do anything with them again. I certainly won't sit down and read through all of them again. Oh, there's just but not I won't get rid of day. them. There's just too much stuff there to, to do, but I still won't get rid of them just because yeah. it's like, oh, it's nostalgia. Like, I still open them up and that smell hits oh, me. Oh, I love that smell. <laughs> and it's just like, it just takes me back. I'm like, oh, man, I remember like go into the game days at the PV mall and like the staring at the window at, the at like the Asimite clan book and being like, Oh, that's my clan book. I can't wait till I can get that. <laughs> that looks awesome. God, it had like the, our ambitions were so minimal back like then. All the books had some oh, of those books had Jesus. warning stickers on them. And the uh-huh. Zimache one had a warning sticker on it. And I think it had, the Asimite book had a warning it sticker on it. Fucking Zimacy one was. Yeah. Well, cause the poly-bag. picture on the back of it, but the ambiguous vagina, right. But they had, the, they had that With covered teeth. up on every single one. Oh, like I remember on some of them, they had bands around it and on mm-hmm. others it was just a sheet of paper behind it and you couldn't look at it yeah you had to have so, like i did not get a zimache clan book until way later just because i couldn't get my hands on it as a kid because they wouldn't <laughs> sell it to you i got mine all about books and comics and i'm like yeah whatever kid yeah like, fine you can buy it <laughs> i don't fine, care kid but i mean there's nothing really in that book there's not but, really I, mean, like, I, I expected to get it home because of the fucking poly bag i was like oh my god like a porno or something and there was like way worse pictures in montreal by night yeah oh yeah but montreal by night was not a black dog book it was not a black dog book they you know destiny's price black dog book all those oh, were black dog oh, books and they were just a good book by a fucking femori freak legion freak legion was disgusting black dog game once did i ever run a black dog game well, i mean aren't aren't all no i don't remember ever running a black but they dog have like game. a specific system right i can't remember no i mean like here's the thing like fucking uh giovanni chronicles was technically was a black, black dog, dog yeah yeah but, but that because they were a publishing company right but like well, it was a it was an imprint of it was dog. an imprint but yeah i but don't they, remember ever running like specters or the only black dog games i can recall are Fomore, which i never ran that book was disturbing and disgusting it really was uh there was um specters which nobody ever ran remember that one picture in specters that super disturbing one of the weird baby yeah and yeah that one stomach turning yeah specters and then uh <laughs> what was the other like uh, i guess maybe they... the black spiral dancers one but th- was there a non no. was there non world of darkness black dog game human oh, occupied landfill hole hole 
Hole. Yeah. I didn't ever run hole. He I ran, ran hole. You I ran didn't hole. run hole. Oh, okay. okay. I, I, hole. I didn't I even own hole because I remember trying to read it and I was like, why are the words not in order? And why <laughs> is it like written so that it's spiraling around itself? Like, it was, I was written just, like a zine. It was. Like it was, it was just that very hard back. to read it. I'm still, I'm, 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 I'm always <laughs> looking for a copy of hole. But BT dubs. If you guys ever see one on a used shelf, I will compensate you for it because I would I, yeah, that's to gonna one. be a hard one to come across. Yeah. I haven't seen Hole in a Me long neither. time. Me like neither. I remember, I always want. I was like, the one that you're you're gonna have an impossible time finding is not Hole, but it's Buttery Wholesomeness, the supplement for it. Oh yeah, for that had it. like a print run of like six, two, like <laughs> yes, <laughs> and Mark Ryan Hagen has both of them. Like it just it's. Yeah, it doesn't exist in any format. I, I, I don't even know anyone who had a copy of that one. But yeah, I didn't. I yeah, mean, I, I don't know. I heard people times. who had talked about it. Like it was this fabled thing that existed, All right, but I never publishing, saw it. Make it happen. Bring it back. You know, I, I think that the guy. Look, I'm sure on just, eBay you could make anything happen. It's just how much are we willing to pay no, for it? No, just bring it back and re-release it. Why this not? Is, oh. this, is, here, this is all just like conjecture on my part, but I think that the guy who developed Hole still does stuff. And I, there's other games out there that have this kind of holeish feel to them, and so I think he might still be around. But so it's not impossible. Okay. Yeah, but I, Hole there's, was one of those games that I always thought was a time and place game. Like I could see running it or playing it as a teenager, but as an adult, like, yeah, I, it, would, it, it doesn't would, have a lot of appeal for me. But, but the nostalgia value though, I'd love to just have one on my shelf just to look at just Yeah, to, just to gaze. Upon. There's nostalgia value there. I'm not going to lie, but yeah, like I said, yeah, I'm not yeah. one to talk about nostalgia value. I got a bunch of games that I'm never, probably never yeah. going to run again. Yeah. That I'm just hanging on to. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember that. That was a good time. Can't even remember how we got on this. Anyway, we've been talking for like an hour and a half. It's been a great session. Thanks for coming down, Adam. Yes, thank you, Adam. Super appreciate it. And um, uh, we never did get into that changeling the lost game either. Oh, I know. We were gonna like, we'll talk was. about that changeling the lost game. Well, you know what that means, right? Yeah. Next time. Back. That means you gotta come back on. I can talk about it. Sometimes. All right. Good. Good. I look forward to it. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. sincerely hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Full Metal RPG. If so, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now Tumblr at Full Metal RPG. Follow us on SoundCloud at Full Metal RPG. You are listening to Abyssal Plains by BJ. Used with permission.